This is FS Uncovered, podcast of M&M Service Company, serving our customers' needs by providing excellent products, services, and innovative solutions. So today we are with Crops Crew 2.0, kind of. Saying, um, yeah, but saying 2.0 makes it seem that they're better than the, the original. So well, I'm maybe right. it will be. Maybe this will just stating. be so, a great discussion. We'll so see what this is better. I was so part we're, of the original. <laughs> we're joined by Matt Boston. So he was on um, the podcast before. Crops 1.0. <laughs> yeah. And Brian Fairfall is also with us here today. And uh, Brendan Bonensteel is here as well. He's not been on the podcast yet. So Brendan, if you want to give us a quick uh, background about yourself, what you're up to and what you do for the company. Yep. So I'm a crop specialist uh, down in Madison County area. I kind of touch southeastern Macoupin and southwestern uh, Montgomery County. Okay, thanks. So here we are, middle of July, and the crops are growing. Can you give us a general overview of what you've been seeing out in the fields and um, condition, any conditions that you would like to talk about or let our growers know what you've been seeing. Brendan, you go first. <laughs> Give us a, an overview of the territory and what yeah. you're seeing out in the so field. I'll just start from square one, I guess. Uh, I know Matt, towards the north, they got uh, you guys got quite a bit more rain up this way. and We were able, lucky enough to miss some of them uh, early rains and Guys were able to get in and get stuff put in. Still amazes me to this day with all the technology and everything, how quick uh, quick that can get done um, there towards the middle of April. I think uh, most guys got stuff in and then finished up towards the end of April and were able to get stuff rolling. So that's what we kind of looked at uh, down there, whether cooperated and were able to get stuff done. So Yeah, it was kind of opposite for us. Uh, more of a cooler April, more rain in April. Um, I think the first weekend that guys could possibly do something up in northern Macoupin was Easter weekend. And, you know, it finally got 70 degrees and guys took advantage, very minute amount of people took advantage of that weekend. And then it didn't happen until like that last weekend of April was the next opportunity. And, but then again, it wasn't perfect. So probably 90 to, you know, I'd say 80 to 90% of the crops put in in northern Macoupin was done between the, the you know the time frame of may 10th to may 20th um obviously some later some earlier um but uh, that was a majority so um but yeah kind of like brendan said uh the the weather just is not uh is ever changing it seems like there's not a year that's uh the same and so you know our crops uh endured you know some stress there that uh what father's day weekend or the weekend before father's day had that hailstorm come through um, just a very uh, narrow band on the western part of my territory you know western um, Macoupin County kind of central narrow band and then uh, Father's Day weekend brought a brought a hellacious windstorm that uh, took some green snap you know but uh, probably more on the May 17th 18th 19th planted corn was the green snap um, acres and then it turned dry obviously after that wishing for a rain and Finally got a rain five inches over the weekend here, you know, between four to five inches. So, uh, overall in my geography, crops look absolutely fantastic. Um, good potential. There is a few stress areas, but, uh, but overall I'm, I'm very pleased with, uh, with how things look. Yeah. I think, uh, just piggybacking off of Matt, 
like I said, we had a dry spell there for 10 or 12 days there, uh, middle of April till the end. A lot of guys got stuff in, um, and then it did turn off dry. It started raining for a week or two after that, and then after that, things got up, uh, turned off dry, and we got a well-needed rain uh, this past week or so. Um, we got close to four inches, I think, over the span of about three days um, down in Madison County area. So. And it all soaked in. I mean, there, yeah. I mean, there was a little runoff, but it was it was a nice rain. Yeah. Cross, corn was starting to curl and beans were uh, kind of at a standstill when it came to growing um, but nothing too crazy after that rain I think everything looks beautiful we're starting just now July 12th uh, starting ta- most stuff is tasseling uh, fungicide application they're starting to roll pretty heavy I know uh, we're probably, you guys are probably what week week and a half behind up here getting close yeah a lot of that April stuff um I've, I've released like but it was very little amount so we're starting to get into that may 10th may 13th you know planted stuff and uh, it was uh it's starting to tassel and with what happened last year you know with being a little behind just because the amount of acres of fungicide being applied um, i am going a little earlier this year you know prior to full tassel which is normally where i'd like to be but with the growing degree units that we're seeing i mean tassel is going to be full tassel is going to be there within a couple of days of starting to see tassels so but, uh, but yeah, going back to like the April time frame, you know, obviously my area, I won't say like people see it a failure not getting a crop in in April, but that's obviously what they strive to do. And uh, with that being said, I mean, uh, fall burn down guys stayed clean uh, weed wise, but uh, there was more spring burn down applied up in my area than normal um, due to the fact we did get in late, couldn't get tillage tools through the, through the fields. So um Spring burn down was great. Um, once we get, we did get uh, the crop planted, soil applied residuals got activated very nicely with you know uh, constant rain. So uh, overall, I feel pretty good about the soil applied residuals that we did put on. Um, my corn resprays have been very very minimal because by planting later, uh, the corn got off to a great start. And the heat, you know, obviously that's the, the key, right, is when we're putting on corn residuals or any residual for that matter, we want to try to get the crop to grow as quick as we can. And so that allowed the the corn to canopy quicker than what we normally see by an April planted crop. So corn uh, resprays were minimal. Yeah, I'll say on the chemistry aspect of that, I think corn, corn spraying went great this year. Uh, a lot of corn chemical. Was able to get on, get activated. Corn was able to get up, get to canopy like it should. Um, on the bean spraying side, like I said, we got stuff planted early, but we did get some rain directly after planting, and that kind of hindered uh, some of our pre's that got put down, weren't able to get put down. Um, so we had to kind of adjust our tactics there, and uh, a lot of stuff got two post passes um, instead of getting a pre down. Um, that's just mother nature there is all we had to deal with, so um yeah yeah corn it's it's it seems like it's a little easier to control right. weeds uh, even if it's post um versus you know not getting that soil applied residual on beans for, for our viewers uh listeners i guess they're not really viewers but visual uh, podcast i'm yeah. glad we don't have cameras <clears throat> <laughs> maybe we should introduce that next time krista Put some GoPros up and uh, yeah, so. see all the commotion that goes I on. In I that. do want them to see that I'm repping <laughs> Inspire Wheat. 
just for once. For for our viewers, uh, you know, we've talked about uh, residuals and and uh, you know other products, but I guess kind of give our uh, our uh, listeners a better understanding of you know the superior weed weed control programs that you guys are offering, and, and um, just so that way they get a better handle on. You know, not necessarily products we're using, but application timings, windows, agronomic reasons why we're doing those sorts of things, and um, you know, basic understanding for corn and soybeans. Yeah, weed control is always going to be, I think, the forefront of our difficulties in ag retail, just because it's there's so many different traits and seed and um, different systems that we can run. But if you think of like a corn system, for example. I, I typically run three different systems and that's one is a one pass pre-emerge right at planting, a two pass one at planting followed by, you know, 20 days later. And then, uh, what we call like a row and go, which is, uh, that, you know, Coke can height V2 application, one shot, um, application. So, um, obviously the best weed that, uh, uh, never emerges is probably the easiest is definitely the easiest one to control so like in my area um i i run a lot of halix or not you know essentially like that product alone but like a row and go product and hppd resistance is real um we're starting to see um callisto not work as well on on water hemp especially taller water hemp so in my opinion i think uh going forward from here on out uh, i'm going to be promoting heavy two pass programs uh one at planting followed by you know one at uh 21 30 days later to layer that residual um when you're talking of like a one pass pre on corn uh, like i said if we if we get the corn planted in april we can endure cool wet conditions and as we all know the clock starts ticking once that herbicide gets activated on, on a one pass system so the best way to control weeds is row closure well we've essentially had the life of that herbicide taken away by two weeks because the crop isn't even out of the ground yet from cool wet conditions. So um, I think by layering a residual of doing a two pass system, we can control some of those, some of those easier, but this year, totally different picture just because most of the corn was planted in the middle of May got warm. So uh, we got to real closer pretty quick. So I guess every year is going to be different. Yeah. I think just the main thing is that, realistically a guy wants to go across the crop one time and get it over with but with the way weeds are and uh, resistance like you said it's it's just smart timing is a big thing and having layered residuals out there whether it's beans or corn both um, always having something out there to take care of that because anymore um, it's hard to kill these weeds I mean you got to have good residuals out there everything layered and yeah so on a bean acre you know um it's it, it's pretty tough, obviously, with different traits, but, uh, you know, a soil-applied residual on a clean-till acre, I know everybody's different, you know, as in a no-till scenario if we need to burn it down. But just speaking of, like, a clean-till acre, um, a soil-applied residual, that uh, that's really good, you know, on, on small-seeded. But at the same time, I think we've kind of gotten away from looking at the large-seeded spectrum just because it's it's chemistry that can affect the bean growth out of the ground in a cool, wet system, uh, such as using... Um, you know, your, like your classics, for example, or your authority valors, um, those type of products. So I know in years past, we used to run a lot of those, but then again, we'd get that cool wet spell that would affect the bean coming out of the ground. 
So I went to a safer chemistry. Yes, it's controlling the water hemp and the grass very, very well, but we're breaking on a lot of large seeded uh, pretty quick that's starting to peek their head back out, uh, such as, you know, velvet leaf, morning glory that we fight. So I think going back, going forward from here, um, running a, a pre-emerge herbicide that's going to control both the small seeded and the large seeded, uh, followed up with another uh, residual, you know, 20 to 30 days later with, with your contact herbicide of choice, whatever trait package of, of beans you're running. But uh, nine times out of 10, when you stick with the same program or stick to that program, uh, a lot of times it is, it does, uh, it does pan out, but, uh, but I know weather conditions can not allow us to get a, you know, pre-emerge on. So we got to go to plan B or C or D sometimes. So. Anything different from your perspective, Brendan? No, I think, uh, yeah, like he said, it, weather, weather conditions play a big part, but it's a good thing with our, um, with chemicals nowadays, there's a wide variety of things that we can go out there, a big toolbox of things that we can tackle weeds with. But the main thing is if timing is there and weather does cooperate, um, make sure we're out there in a timely manner and get to things small. We don't want to be chasing weeds once they, um, get over that four or five inch mark. Cause then you're just fighting yourself when it comes to killing them. So yeah, if I can avoid even having to spray water in post, I, I, right. I would, you Absolutely. know, my thinnest field obviously are ones that got activated really well at planting, followed up 20, 30 days later with another shot of residual mm -hmm. got activated very well as well. And, um, still clean with, with, uh, water hemp control. So it is breaking on some, uh, you know, large seed, but easily controllable with, with glyphosate or whatever you need to do there. But yeah, and I think you had a point there saying, I mean, over the years we've been very uh, apt to just look at water hemp. We have issues with water hemp, but like you said, there is some of them large seeded broadleaves that are coming back with inventions too that we need to kind of make sure we got something in the mix to tackle them and not just focusing on one weed because it is a whole plethora of stuff out there sure. that's taken away from yield. So, Good message, guys. Uh, obviously the uh, start clean, stay clean methodology that you guys use you know ultimately makes you guys successful and makes our customers successful because like you said matt the easiest uh weed to kill is a weed that doesn't germinate or is hindered from germination through a through a herbicide so multiple modes of action um multiple timings of applications just just not let, letting a weed grow is the best way to get your crop to perform and the best way to get the best bang for your buck for herbicide applications and your cost cost per acre so keep them lower but uh we definitely you know for the listeners not viewers the listeners uh, of the podcast uh you know that's it's something that uh you know i think everybody in this industry is, is trying to push 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 more of because uh, there's a lot of stress being put on all these active ingredients and there's a lot of people talking about this chemical name, that chemical name, this chemical name, tolerance, resistance, stewardship, sustainability, all these buzzwords out there. And, and really, when you think about the crop protection industry, it's uh, there's a lot of, of effort being put into new products and new technologies, new formulations, new all these things. But really, when you look at it, we're most cases, we're still dealing with very old active ingredients. We're just putting them in different formulations and different jugs so the same more times than not we're spraying the same active ingredients that we've been spraying for 20 or 30 years in some cases so 
Um, you know, when you look at the weed spectrum and how weeds evolve, the only way that we can really do something different is manage the way that we're applying them in different ways. Residuals basically are your best um, advance to, in uh, high rates of residuals, are your best advance to uh, to not allowing a weed to emerge. emerge. So um, good points on that. Um, but obviously that, that big message is start clean, stay clean, utilize multiple modes of action. And you got to ensure that a weed doesn't come up because it doesn't matter which trait path, platform you plant uh, it's extremely difficult for all these herbicides to to kill weeds especially when they get over that they say the the analogy is uh give the weeds a finger um so you want to say four inch mark three inch mark and in some cases with some herbicides i don't feel comfortable with even that weed height so i will touch on that resistance too i know going back to the beginning of this year um emotions were high with the price of everything being up uh, chemicals being up. I know there's a lot of questions asked whether to cut back on some stuff and if if that was applicable. Um, but I think stuff like that this year and guys that did that, it shows them that they need to be running full rates and it, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to show that it works that way for a reason. So People usually, or they tend to, to learn the hard way um, and through circumstances that are not necessarily beneficial, they'll learn um, a lot faster, but definitely the folks, you know, especially with herbicide applications and crop protection, the more proactive you are, the more money you're probably more or less going to save. Um, so if you're in that situation and, and definitely the more, uh, opportunity you have to, uh, to kill the weeds. So most reactive applications of herbicides probably cost two X to three X more than what a proactive herbicide application costs so um for our listeners out there that can be a substantial amount of money you know out of that grower's pocket and the more proactive you are the more sound business decisions you make so what else is uh hot in the in the news here what what else do we want to chat about well i was i was going to ask and then they can't they can't see unfortunately where that you know your suggestion of a video would be nice these nice uh, FS wheat hats that Brennan and Matt have on. Uh, I know. I know this year the the wheat crop was. I think we planted a lot more acres in our area than what we had before. It seemed like the wheat harvest got here and it was it was very quick. I know a lot of the growers I talked to seemed pretty happy with the yields, uh, with everything. How did how did wheat go and what's the outlook there? Matt start on his fast wheat area up there. <laughs> Not the professional. See, I asked my customers, I said, do you want to be average wheat farmers or do you want to be Madison County wheat farmers? <laughs> There's a lot of That's one way and, to put it. And most of them said average. I said, okay, good, because you're dealing with an average kind of guy that knows something about wheat. <laughs> no, overall, uh, wheat harvest for us, it was great. Um, I know early getting... Um, nitrogen on was a little bit of a stretch. It was a lot of early mornings, um, trying to work with frozen ground cause it was a wet spring there early. Um, that was a stretch, but all in all, it worked out great. Um, a lot of good yielding wheat. I think wheat's come a long ways in the last five to 10 years. There's, we got some numbers out there that, uh, that can run with just about anyone. So, um, test weights quality this year was above and beyond what we could have expected. 
Um, so all in all, I think it was a very successful wheat harvest. The way prices were, um, there's not much really we could complain about. Yeah, so. I agree. I can't. I don't think I can think of in my area one time that that wheat crop really struggled from even yeah. like last fall growing conditions up to up to harvest. And so, yeah. knew it was going to be a nice wheat crop. Um, yeah, the FS Inspire brands are are just shining, um, just like they like they're intended to. And uh, I think the the heat of the middle of June progressed the wheat crop uh, along. Uh, quite rapidly which didn't hurt it by no means um but allowed the the guys to harvest earlier and then get double crops in get rain on the double crops so i mean obviously with market price of wheat right now market price of soybeans it's it's a pretty good uh pretty good uh, one-two punch there yeah there's a lot i don't most of the guys that have grown wheat forever haven't seen yields equivalent with the uh prices that we have right now i mean a good uh, wheat double crop price is, I mean, it, it runs right up there with a single um, single crop price. I mean, it's... Or better. Or better, yeah. So, um, and I think with everything that's going on in the world with Ukraine and Russia, I know we've beat the... It's like beating a dead horse with that, but I don't I don't see that price of wheat uh, going anywhere anytime soon. So, I think that uh, amount of wheat acres we have, I'm going to see... I, I see that climbing still, so... Did you see any... Um wheat disease this year at all no no that's timely timely fungicide um does makes a big difference there but uh hot dry june yeah that does help yeah i mean that's that's most of your yield robbing yeah it's is that foliar disease and and then obviously your your egg uh not blights but uh bacterial diseases and and, and, uh head scabs you could see that first good week we had of harvest when 90 95% 95% of the wheat got taken out, um, and we did have that rain towards the end of that. That wheat that got cut after that, you could tell, was yeah. starting to pick some stuff up there. So, There's a reason why they like to grow it out. and Maybe I shouldn't say they like to grow it out in the plain states, but that's the reason why it, they it have does to grow so it out well there. <laughs> out there because it's usually a hotter, drier uh, climate, so it really likes those, uh, yeah. um, those climates. So. Nope. All in all, I don't think anything to complain about other than dry conditions for double crops going in wasn't quite uh, sufficient, but they were able to get some rain after being in the ground a week or so. So I think everything might, yeah. should work out just perfect there. You know, I, I think wheat acres are probably going to be equal to or mm-hmm. probably higher. It yeah. all depend on what kind of fall we have here. I know we were a little later. We talked about it previously, a little later in planting in some circumstances, some cases. So yeah. Um, We'll see what kind of harvest we get and timeliness of harvest, but I bet we have a pretty big wheat year this year. Mm-hmm. So definitely the uh, the Inspire brand will be, uh, I probably shouldn't say sold out yet, but uh, it'll probably get pretty darn close to being sold out would be my guess. So. Yeah, there's been a lot of conversations still going on about wheat mm-hmm. this fall. Yeah. I mean, it, so yeah. contact your nearest uh, MM crop specialist for the best wheat in the area. Get the- <laughs> say that, say that a little louder. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. For our listeners here, if you're wheat growers, you need to get it to uh, get your wheat booked ASAP. Become a wheat. even if you're not a wheat grower, if you want to try something new. I think we spoke. I think you guys spoke about crops 1.0. Spinning your Fourth of July in a combine is better than on a lake. So <laughs> <laughs> that didn't really happen though this year. It, no, it wheat harvest it was, was early. Before fourth, yeah. Yep. Yep. So we've had a pretty good roundabout discussion on about everything, but the hot topic today. 
and for the near futures, fungicides, uh, corn and soybeans, you guys talked about uh, some early applications, but maybe talk around um, some of the agronomic benefits of a fungicide, corn, soybeans, and, um, you know, what guys should be looking for and uh, making those good sound decisions on on pulling the, the trigger to spray a fungicide or fungicide insecticide. Uh, but also, you know, it's a perfect timing uh, to apply a foliar micronutrient package and, and foliar micros to help get the biggest bang for your buck. So, yeah, like I said, we're getting we're getting real close. We're we're started down there um, in Madison County. Um, some aerial application stuff going on for corn. Uh, I think by the end of the week, beginning of next week, you'll see some uh, ground rigs going in beans, uh, getting that started. But I'd say over the last five or ten years, I mean. Fungicide have showed themselves they should just be a package that you should plan on because um, the bushel advantage at the end of it's going to pay for itself and just a plant health aspect of it too harvestability and stuff like that um, they just prove themselves year in and year out and I know I've had a lot of questions I don't know about you Matt uh, before this rain about the dry hot dry weather not much moisture application but um, I know there's studies out there that show that you're still getting that bushel bump and it's still paying for itself with that so. Yeah, we get asked that a lot if it's a dry, going into a dry condition. Um, but in my opinion, fungicides are more than just disease control presence. Yeah. It's about stay green as well. So, you know, that's how I, I sell fungicide is not just necessarily a disease package, but also stay green for kernel fill and kernel depth. And, and uh, But like you said, obviously fungicides over the years have been very, very market driven. Um, mm-hmm. Going into 2022, obviously with, you know, yield uh dependability i mean it's you know we're setting ourselves up for a pretty successful year going into uh 2022 23 so um in my opinion uh over the years it's just been part of a package that that uh that we run um corn fungicide in my area is just starting to ramp up on that you know april planted corn now we're getting into the may may 10th through the may 15th planted stuff that's tasseling um but but no uh you know, we, we spend a lot of money, um, guys, farmers spend a lot of money on, um, feeding the crop, you know, and then, you know, toward it, when it gets toward the tail end of the season, uh, I know money has been spent. A lot of money on this crop has been spent feeding it. So it's just a matter of now trying to protect it. Uh, and I think, uh, you don't want to give up yet just quite yet when uh, we can add, be still adding some bushels or protecting bushels from being lost. That's kind of the moral of the story though, too. I mean, guys talk about, the price of inputs um, that it took to get this crop in the ground, why would you leave more bushel out there? Um, that's that's out there for a reason. So Yeah, you started it off by saying it should be a part of a system. It, yeah. it really should be a complete package around crop protection is not allowing weeds to grow, but also uh, um, keeping the plant healthy. And, and you, you hit on a mat with, you know, it's crop health is a, is a lot of it and stay green, but you know, you th- the reason why we spray fungicide is because of gray leaf spot, northern corn leaf blight, um, southern rust comes in. Now you've got the new one, tar spot, um, and other foliar diseases, and they're pretty large yield robbing diseases. But when you look at the plant health aspect, it's uh, for our listeners, um, you know, the, the best way to explain, uh, you know, what a fungicide does is is uh, go buy a, uh, a six pack of uh, bananas from the grocery store and and put it on your uh, 
um, counter and a week later they'll be brown. Well, that fungicide, you know, because of the plant health aspects doesn't allow that, uh, that corn plant or those bananas produce ethylene and, uh, that, that, uh, fungicide basically stops, um, that corn plant from producing ethylene and stops it from maturing faster. So, uh, for a visual for our listeners, that's, that's the plant aspects that these guys are talking about for, for harvestability, standability, those agronomic benefits so um great message there definitely not a conversation to have in june july it's a conversation to have in january december whenever great comment how about soybeans yeah so soybeans um you know up in my area a lot of late group twos early group threes are starting to be planted you know getting away from that later not getting away from but transitioning more into a diverse um maturity package in a soybean acre so you know, yeah, keep in mind um, to all the listeners that have an early group bean that uh, don't let the timing of uh, application and or the planting date uh, skew you from not uh, putting on a fungicide at the right time of, you know, R2, R3 on a soybean because we're going to be there um, by how how they grow by night length. And and so even some of these group, uh, late group twos, early group threes planted first of May, middle of May, um, they're going to be ready here pretty quick if if they aren't already at this point so uh, but uh, yeah soybean uh, fungicide year in year out has always shown um, a great benefit uh, you know it's an easy opportunity to be applying some foliar foliar feed to it to protect the crop obviously we all like to think corn is king but uh, I think we can all agree that soybean um, soybean profitability has been um, top notch here the past few years based on market price where beans are at so it seems like we're getting more smiles from right in the combines when when customers harvest yeah 100 bushel beans and then 250 bushel corn or maybe a little more it just seems like guys get a little bit more excited about the soybean crop anymore than they used to there's a lot of a lot of different different foliars and micronutrients and all that good stuff you can throw at them too and it's it's easy to have that conversation when it's 15 16 dollar a bushel beans out there too because it doesn't take sure. much to to pay for that and i think it's uh it's one of those things just like we're talking about corn it's one of those things that should be out there and um, there's a lot of options for you to explore there yeah again you look at a soybean plant and uh it's it's standing in a dirt field with sun and humidity i mean it's basically in a humid dome in that uh you know in that canopy so right. perfect host for foliar diseases to come about and and rob yield and really when you look at you know in corn we're only talking about a couple kernels per ear to rob a bushel you know in soybeans we're talking about a a pod um you know a three bean pod to to rob a you know a bushel to an acre it doesn't take a whole heck of a lot so you know any of the plant health benefits that a fungicide provides is going to be extremely beneficial just to help retain uh, a single pod um, because that means a, a lot at the end of the day when when it comes to uh, you know the overall yield advantage but overall profitability for that farmer um, so it's not a lot to pay for it seems like a lot but you know a couple bushel an acre for soybeans yeah five bushel an acre for corn yeah. you know you, you could say that probably the national average over the cross fungicides have been out since the uh, the regular old tilt days and straight headline days you know we're talking 15 15 to 20 years ago mm-hmm. i mean the national average on fungicides and corn is like 10 or 11 bushel, maybe even 12 bushel in, in soybeans. It's Absolutely. like three to five. So, you know, it's, 
pretty pretty darn per- good percentage of win rate over a long period of time. So yeah, yeah. Keep in mind, you know, insects um, and beans really like probably in your area when it turned dry. I don't know if spider mites became an issue, but we didn't see any up in us. We but, haven't uh, seen too many. No. Jap beetles are flying actually pretty heavy um, yeah. in my area, and so I mean maybe when silks start popping out of corn they'll transition to probably corn silks but keep in mind i mean defoliation of a soybean leaf is 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 important as well and that opens susceptibility to disease uh, with those open wounds so uh, it's i get asked a lot of times if we should add insecticide with the fungicide my go-to is is we don't want to make a rescue treatment it's a very convenient trip you know to to add it in with the fungicide so uh, we always just make that make that happen and there's a sort of synergy that, that goes with yeah. the two products yeah. combined. I mean, it just is. Uh, seems like they make each other work better. And and like you said, it, it doesn't take much for a chewing insect to um, open up a wound and, and for that soybean to get an infection. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah. Great um, topics of discussion here uh, in the Crops 2.0. What? As you look at the next couple months, harvest will be, uh, you know, around the corner here, probably before we do crops 3.0. But, uh, you know, for our listeners, but what would you want your uh, uh, listeners um, to maybe know or to keep a watch out for or things maybe be um, top of mind for you guys uh, over the next few months as as we enter harvest and the fall time, it's crazy to think fall is going to be right around the corner, but still a fair amount of summer left, but fall will be here before we know it. So yeah, it's never ending. I mean, there's always something to do with the next part of the train or next puzzle piece. And so, you know, in my neck of the woods is fall fertility. Um, be thinking about, you know, obviously we're getting some soil tests just turned back in from spring, spring turned in uh, soil samples. So, you know, pH obviously, fixing uh the ph so lime hauling and uh, fertilizer application fertilizer booking seed bookings would be right around the corner and i know um it's hard to fathom uh booking seed you know right now when it feels like the crop just got planted but i know there's always um you know it's got to start planning for 2023 yeah i would say just be cognizant just with that be cognizant of um what's going to be here before we know it uh wheat bookings especially um get on top of that uh earlier the better yeah earlier the better like brian said we haven't ran out yet but um with how things have been trending um it's going to go quick so call your nearest crop specialist and get your inspire get inspired get inspired get inspired I was waiting for him to say it. (laughs) Thanks, guys, for stopping by today um, to let us know what you guys have been seeing out there and talking about those great topics, fungicide and wheat. And um, we're all anxious to see how harvest will pan out this fall. So this has been FS Uncover, the podcast of M&M Service Company. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Podbean or your supported podcast app.